Welcome to Voices on Aging, brought to you by Juniper Communities. My name is Janice Whitaker, and I'm the Administrator and Community Liaison for the Tressa Nice and Helen Diskovich Center of Geriatric Nursing Excellence at the Nice College of Nursing at Penn State. I'm also today's host of the podcast, which will focus on the important topic of ageism. Instead of our regular Q&A format, Lynn Katzman, CEO and founder of Juniper Communities, will have an open discussion with special guest Steve Moran, a highly respected voice on senior living and the broader aging economy. Ageism is defined as the prejudice and stereotyping seniors experience in a culture that embraces and idolizes youthfulness a culture that marginalizes the mental and physical abilities of our aging population. During the COVID pandemic, a spotlight has been placed on the older adult population. So why does ageism matter and how can we address it? I will turn the conversation over to Lynn and Steve now. Today, I am so thrilled to have Steve Moran here with us. Steve is the publisher of Senior Living Foresight that I always look to as a source of inspiration uh, in the mornings when he publishes interesting stories with the best headlines I've ever seen. He is also a, a great speaker who is often on the circuit as, I'm, as am I in the senior living industry. Uh, he speaks on senior living, older adults, as well as the aging economy. Uh, Steve, I am so very delighted to have you join me today, particularly because we're going to talk about a subject that I know is very important to both of us, ageism. I am so excited to talk about this issue. It, it, honestly, it's something that's brand new that we haven't faced because people are living so much healthier and longer. And um, I, I, I still remember so well uh, being at Nick and, and it was what, 2000, late 2015, right? When you uh, did this, you, you talked about ageism and combating ageism and you threw out this crazy idea uh, of doing an anti-ageism camp at this crazy festival in the desert called Burning Man. And uh, so it was, it, it was, and I, I'll be honest with you, I thought you were kind of nuts. <laughs> I was. <laughs> but you brought your father and I brought my mother, so how nuts. Yeah, that's right. Me. And my dad was late 80s and uh, your mom was about, about the same age, right? I think yeah. they were about a yeah, year. Yeah, a couple years uh, younger, but not by much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was and, I, and I frankly, it was a wonderful time. I loved it. I have very fond members, memories of it. I drive the same old car. It still has got my Burning Man uh, parking sticker in the, the bottom left-hand corner. The and, and every once in a while, I'll go out and I'll go wash it or something. And I think I still, even after, what, six years, still find a little bit of Burning Man dust in the car. Yeah, I... Amazing, amazing. It was a wonderful experience. And you have a great memory. It, you know, that was a very special time for so many of us who were just beginning to think about our own aging process and also understanding that people uh, looked at older adults in a very strange way. As I said during my Nick talk, you know, the one ism that applies to all of us is ageism. 
doesn't matter what race you are, what religion you are, um, what sex you are, if you are lucky enough to grow old, you're likely to be affected by ageism. So what is it? It's prejudice. It's stereotyping what it means to be an older adult. It's about idolizing youthfulness. And Steve, I know you and I were both Medicare cardholders and we look pretty darn good. It would be hard to marginalize us because of our mental and physical abilities. And yet both of us, or at least I'll speak for myself, I've got a couple of chronic conditions that I deal with. So ageism is about looking at someone and seeing their chronological age rather than who they are. And that's a huge issue. It's a, it's a, it's a really tough. And I, I have, you know, I get up every morning and I've got six pills I have to take to keep me <laughs> safe and healthy. Right. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that there are things that I can't do, or I can't do as well today as I could do 20 or 30 years ago. I'll give you one, for instance, I've had some blood clots um, that have gone to my lungs. And so because of that, I take a, a blood thinner and that means I gave up ski patrolling because I didn't want to have the risk of, of running into a tree. Not that I'd ever done that when I was ski patrolling and having a hemorrhage in my brain that would take my life. But on the other hand, um, I know that I, as you know, I do a lot of hiking and backpacking mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people who are 20 and 30 years younger than I am that I can out backpack like crazy. I can keep going. I may not be faster, but I can keep going longer. And so, um, it, but, but I, people treat me different as I have gotten older and very often it's not in a positive way. Yeah. So, you know, it's so interesting. I, I find the same. But there we were at Burning Man, Camp Aging Insurrection, with people from 26 to 89, I think your father was at that point in time. Yep. And by the way, um, for those of you watching or listening, Steve's father was the first to get up on a hang glider. And happily so across this wonderful desert, he would do anything, you know, and if that doesn't change your image of what it means to be an older adult, I don't know what does. So my question for you, Steve, is have you seen any material or market changes in the last five years since we went together to Burning Man? So I want to back up to Burning Man for just a second before I answer that question. I think one of the things that surprised me at Burning Man was how many older people there were, in fact, there. And Burning Man has actually been around for a long, long time. I mean, it's, Since I don't know, 70s, 25. I believe. What's that? Since the 70s, I believe. Since the 70s, right? So that's like 50 years. So um, I was actually reading a, 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 a blog post by Chip Connolly that he put out in the last couple of days where one, he talked about one of the, the founders, uh, Larry, or forget his last name, apologize for that, but um, who was one of his his mentors who passed away in his 70s. But has it gotten better? I don't know. I'm I, I think there's I think the one way it's gotten better is that there is more of an awareness that it's a problem. Mm. But if I'm honest about it, I think that sometimes even in senior living, we're as bad or worse about it than the general population when we should be better at it. 
Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in the senior living community. This is somebody who's in his 80s. He is um, active. He's passionate. He's somebody who you would know who they are, Lynn. I, I don't have comfort with, with, with giving his name here. Mm -hmm. but, and he said that the biggest surprise he had in moving into senior living was the stigma that was attached to it. And it's not just the stigma in the senior living community. He was doing some consulting work. And once people found out that he lived in the senior living uh, community, they were hesitant to work with him because it implied all this negative stuff that he was less mm -hmm. than. And, and he was a planner. He moved into a community when he was active. And this is somebody who travels the world and does several cruises a year. And he's brilliant and he's bright and he's a personal mentor to me. But he faces this every day and he faces it honestly inside his community. Not a yeah. Juniper community, I would add. So I don't, oh. wouldn't expect that wouldn't be true in a Juniper community. Well, you know, it depends who's there. At the end of the day, it depends on the people. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I have two questions. One is, yeah. what do we want it to look like? And, you know, the other, I guess, is more of a comment than a, than a question. I think one of the things that's really struck me, particularly in the last five years, since really becoming, you know, when I gave the Nick talk, you had to have a big idea. I'm not sure I knew what my big idea was. And as I began to think about it, I thought, you know, what are we doing? We're trying to change people's image of older adults to give them the opportunity to live a full life. So that's kind of been my guiding light over the last five years. One of the things I've recognized as I get older is that I want people to see me for who I am. I am Lynn. I am not a 65-year-old woman who lives in Montclair, New Jersey. But I am Lynn Katzman, a woman who lived in Berlin before the wall came down, who went to aging, uh, went to Burning Man at the age of 60 with a group of incredible people who did X, Y, and Z throughout her life. Not just someone who takes a couple of meds every morning for high blood pressure or who is maybe a little less spry than I was before, but really for being me. And I think every human being, regardless of age, whether you're young or you're old, wants to be recognized for what you are and who you are. And I think that's really the critical piece. And I wonder, with all of the interest um, throughout our country in making sure that we understand people's backgrounds and their preferences, whether this isn't just something that, um, that will get more attention by its very nature over the next couple of years. And I, I hope that's the case, but I'm not sure. So I'd love your comments on that. And then what I want to do is ask you, tell me what your image of an age-friendly society looks like. Perfect. So I think that, so first off, I want to say, I think that it's really confusing. Um, the biggest voice in the anti-ageism world is Ashton Applewhite. Yes. Right. And I, I don't know how you feel about it. I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going to start by telling you that I struggle with her very strident view of it. Um, she considers any joke about growing older to be ageist and unacceptable. And yet the truth of the matter is, is that as we get older, there are things that change and there are things that we don't do as well as we used to. And we have more aches and pains that we that we didn't have 
or many of us do. I've been very pain free, so I'm, 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 I would say largely that doesn't at least yet. And I'm, of course, I'm young, old, but I, we deal with things with humor, and I don't think that all age, all jokes about growing older are necessarily uh, ageist kinds of things. I, I think they can be. I don't think, but I don't think that's an automatic. And I think that we need to have some grace for people. The other thing that I really struggle with is that my friends in my in my industry, you're almost an exception to this, but most of my friends, most of my my colleagues that I spend the most time talking to in the senior living industry are 10 to 15 years younger than I am. And um, and and we tend to think more alike. And part of it's because I've got a business that I'm still actively growing. And many of the people who are my age in the industry, both on the operator and on the, the solution provider side are people who are looking at winding down. And I figure I've got another five or 10 years before I'm ready to think about winding down. And yet what I do know is people look at me and say, oh, he's old, and they make some assumptions about me. I um, I got a, a message from a guy on LinkedIn that I didn't know, a vendor kind of person who was obnox- obnoxiously um, trying to sell me something that I wasn't even a consumer for on Thanksgiving Day. And I sent him an email and I said, you know, this is not probably the best way to do that. And he sent me back a message, foul, four-letter words, awful. But the thing that really struck home was that he said, you're just old and you don't understand. (laughs) Wow. Wow, that's right. And I think there's that attitude out there. And so what was the other question? What was the question you asked me? I think I went off on a tangent. No, you didn't. You know, I think all of that's really important. I think we're both talking as a young, older adult about our experience coming into this world of of ageism, getting a little taste and yet understanding that we've been part of it from other people's perspective for a long time. So I, I think this is all really important. I guess what I wanted to take you to Steve is, you know, let's visualize. And I know you very well, and I know you've heard me talk about it. You know, what would it be like to live in an age-inclusive culture, particularly one that was built around community, congregate living, much like we have in senior living. So I think that um, I think that one of the thing, one of the biggest challenges that senior living faces, and this is probably my biggest um, reticence about wanting to move into a senior living community, is that it's age segregated. I want to be around people who are younger than me, as well as people who are my age and older than me. And uh, and it's a big problem because re- the regulations make this very, very hard. It's not as simple as saying we're just going to go out and do that. And, and that's true even for unlicensed. And it has to do with financing. I mean, you know all this stuff, right? And so how do we, how do we, how do I find a community? And the second thing is, 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 how do I find a place that, you know, when I get, maybe I get to the point where I'm retired, I can still contribute. Um, I don't see it as much as I used to. And I think this is one of the places where senior living has actually gotten a lot better. But I would go out when I first started my blog, I'd go visit communities and I'd write about it. And I would say 50% of the time, they would describe it as a cruise ship, like living on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. And I love cruising. I really do. I enjoy it. But my God, I would not want to live on a cruise ship. (laughs) I would hate it. I mean, 
my my mind would turn to mush, my belly would explode, and uh, and um, it would be a, you know if I came to you and I said, hey, I'm going to give you a a two week. I've got tickets to get so you can go for free on this amazing, the top of the line uh, Sanborn cruise for 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 a couple of weeks and 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 offer that to you. You'd probably say, oh man, that'd be really cool. I'd love to go do that. And then if I came to you and said, well, you've got to live there the rest of your life, uh, not so much, right? Uh, Who'd definitely. Want that? No, pur no purpose and no purpose in life. And I think that the opportunity, the thing that we've got to be able to figure out is how do I live my life even today? How do I live my life so that I can con continue to make significant contribution? Man, I've made a ton of mistakes in my life. And if I can sit and talk with younger people who are trying to grow businesses, trying to operate as a vendor, trying to operate the publishing space, trying to operate as, as be, be a senior living operator. I can teach you some stuff that'll make you a better leader. And I want to be able to do that until, you know, that, that, that last, that day I take my last breath. I hear you. I hear you. And those are amazingly potent ideas that I know a lot of people will relate to. You know, it's, um, it's interesting. What you're saying is you don't want to live in a, in an, in a segregated environment. A different word comes to mind, but I'm not going to use that word tonight. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. You know, the last thing you want is to be taken out of the world, right? But right. that said, you know, I'm thinking about um, something Bob Kramer told me about a building he visited in Seattle. I believe it was one of the Merrill Gardens buildings. And he said they had this incredible... Um, communal area between a university and the older adults in the senior living community. And they came together during the day, but the adults actually really liked going back to their building, if you will, in the evening, where at eight or nine o'clock, things actually got quiet. Now, if you wanted to go congregate, to integrate, to do other things. You had it, it was very easy and accessible, but you had an ability to separate, which I, I thought was very interesting. And I say it here because I, I think like everything, they're going to be different versions of what many of us want. But I think the key is we don't want to live at the edge of town anymore in our own little uh, cocoon, if you will. It's just not what we're looking to do. Um, I think the other thing you talked about was purpose and belonging. And I would say engagement, engagement in yes. the world. You know, you want to remain engaged as a human being. It's about social connection, but it's more. It's about contributing. It's about being there. So I think, you know, again, in both cases, if I were to pick a word to describe it, it's integrated integrated in the world, integrated on a day-to-day -day basis with the things you do with others. So Steve, I only have one question for you and you may you may want to pop in here and say something else. I'm not sure. I do. I have some, one other idea. I want to share with okay. you my very best idea I think I've ever had before you ask that. So, and I've written about this. I wish somebody like you or some operator, somebody who's doing new development would take this on. Uh, my dream senior living community is, uh, is near a college campus. I think that it's really hard to develop on a campus that, I mean, there are some people who've done it and I have great admiration, but the, the politics, you know, the and figuring out how it works. But my dream is this. My dream is that the Juniper finds a piece of land near a, a college or university campus. 
And they build a great senior living community on the far side from the campus. In the middle is the commons area where there's dining and common area. And then a little bit closer on the other side of the common area is a high rise student housing. And so exactly like you were describing with Bob Kramer, I can come and I can have meals with these young people. Maybe there's even a WeWork style place where I can coach and mentor, maybe even run my business. And yet I agree that probably there are going to be times when I want to come to my side and have that barrier, those common space where I can go sleep. But there might also be time where I want to go party with the 20 year olds. Right. And I can go do that. And I just that that's the place I want to go live because I can contribute until I breathe my last breath. I can suck up that energy and they can suck up my wisdom. And I think there are a ton of people who would love to live in that environment. So now your last question. No, I, I, you know, my last question is just very simply, what can you and I do to make these visions a reality? What is the one thing that you would suggest people think about and do in order to tackle ageism? So I think people need to be thinking about it and be aware of it all the time. I think for those of us who are older, it's got to be okay for us to, in a kind, gentle way, when we're treated with in an ageist way to just say, you know, that's not okay. And I, I think that there, but I think there, I think that we mostly need to be talking about it. We need to be celebrating people who are doing something about it. Big fan of what Chip Connolly is doing. He's got a new community he's getting ready to develop in the, in New Mexico that will be um, working in the direction of, uh, of creating something that's intergenerational that lets you reimagine your, these later chapters in your life when you've got energy and you've got money and provide some supportive services. And I think that's ultimately what we're all looking for. Yeah. So I, I thank you, Steve. Um, as usual, we are aligned in our thinking. We come at it from a slightly different perspective, but talking with you just makes me happy. So I hope me some too. of the wisdom um, and some of your understanding, both as someone who really understands our industry and has watched older adults for many years, but also as someone who is, is beginning their own journey, that people can take away better understanding of what ageism is and what we're looking for as an alternative. And so I wanna thank you for that and uh, say, um, I really know that you've been lending your voice to this very important topic over the years. And um, I'm grateful because it's often overlooked. You are, you know, you as, as you as you already know, I hope that you're one of my heroes in the industry because for you, status quo is never okay. And it's about trying new things. And I think perhaps more than anybody else in the industry, you've taken some big risks and with some really significant dollars to make the industry better, to make it better for older people, to make it better for the people who work in these communities. And I just, you know, I have great admiration for that because ultimately we all come to the end of our lives, right? And the only thing we really leave behind is how we made the world better so that that can carry on for generation after generation after generation. And, and you're doing that, which is remarkable. Well, I think we, we, many of us are, and you and I certainly are, and putting, uh, we stick our necks out as that infamous juniper yep. giraffe does. And, uh, you know, I hope at the end of the day, being boomers, um, that we feel like we've made some change in the world and some change that is good, not only for us, 
but for uh, the next generations, for our children and our grandchildren. So thank you for being part of this today, Steve. And uh, I hope we get the opportunity to see each other again soon and to continue this conversation. Thank you, Lynn and Steve, for that informative and interesting discussion. Although this exploration of the topic of ageism was focused on older adults, ageism can occur at any point in a person's life. It's important for us as a society to treat all people with dignity and respect, make them feel welcome and valued, and promote inclusion, regardless of their age, mental and physical abilities, or any other attributes. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, this is Janice Whitaker, host of Voices on Aging.